Hello, this is Dave Mullins. I'm the Managing Director for Community Engagement and Coach Empowerment at the ITA. I'm also the host of the new ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast, which you're listening to now. So thanks for listening. After speaking with many coaches and also being a former college coach myself for 12 years, I feel like we tend to learn the most from our peers. My hope for this podcast is that it helps to facilitate this peer-to-peer learning amongst college coaches across the country. My first guest is David Roditti, the head men's tennis coach at TCU, Texas Christian University. David was a three-time All-American during his playing days at TCU and holds the school record for combined career wins. He actually returned to TCU in 2010 as the head coach and has experienced a lot of success with his team, including three Big 12 regular season titles. He was named the ITA National Coach of the Year in 2015. However, what I find most intriguing about David is less about his success on the court as a player and a coach, but what he's done to revolutionize the atmosphere and the attendance at TCU home matches. Those of you that have played at TCU will attest to the atmosphere that's created out there. We discuss this throughout the podcast, and I also ask him about his time away from college coaching and how that maybe helped his success as a college coach now after spending five years as a national coach with USDA. I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the ITA College Coaches Podcast. How are you? Good, David. It's good to be here. Thank yeah. you very much for having me. Yeah, no, you are our guinea pig. This is the first episode, so if if uh, I mess it up, I'm just going to blame you, okay? Awesome. I, I, it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> no, okay. I figured. Okay, well... Obviously, um, so I coached at University of Oklahoma for several years and, and got to see kind of what you did at, at TCU and how you built that program up and, and uh, or not necessarily built it up, but it had been down for a number of years and, and you came in and kind of breathed new new life into the program. So um, I'm just going to get a sense of kind of how, how you went about that. But one of the things that I noticed was just how much time you spent on the the marketing of your program that you didn't just come in and and focus all your energies on on recruitment and development you also spent a lot of time building up the program within your community and you seem to have understood that right out of the gate and you've done an amazing job of marketing your teams and matches and increasing attendance figures but how did you figure out so soon in your head coaching career that this was an area of your job that you needed to prioritize yeah, yeah, Dave. Um, you're, you're right. I mean, that was a major, major uh, focus right from day one. I think, I think number one is that it, it sort of matches, it matches my personality. And I think that's important to, you know, for all the coaches out there, young coaches coming up is that it, it does match my personality. It's, um, I'm a, I would consider myself a people person. I knew, I went to TCU. I, I hung around the Fort Worth TCU area after I graduated from college. This this was my base when I was on the tour. So I had some community connections, and I sort of knew the 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 scene, the tennis scene, and understood the, the community. So there were some big advantages. Uh, our school 
is perfectly located in the nicest, nicest part of town. We have five of the nicest country clubs in the country within five, 10 minute driving distance. There's no parking lot issues. So there are a lot of, a lot of strengths to why we were able to have so much success. It's a beautiful campus. It's a public tennis center. We have 22 outdoor courts, five indoor courts. So there was already traffic. And, you know, so, so I just want to get that out there so that, you know, a coach that is uh, downtown, uh, you know, a big downtown type school, it's, yeah, you definitely have some, some more challenges than, than we did. So, um, the, the other one, the other part was I was, when I was at TCU, we, you know, we would, we would schedule matches at, at two o'clock in the middle of the week. It was just different times. You know, we didn't have lights back then. So we played during the day and yeah, on a Tuesday at two o'clock, guess what? Most people are working, you know, most people are working and kids are in school. So, so that was a little bit of a, of a, of a pet peeve of mine. We were, we were top five, just about, you know, top eight for four years that I was here and, and the crowds were so small. I'm kind of a, yeah, the bigger the crowd, the more I liked it. I'll be, I'll be honest. So I, you know, that was maybe also touched into a personal part of me that, that I said, okay, I, I criticize our coach who, you know, we idolized and, and he was a, a mentor of mine for many, many, many years, coach Barton, and he was a tennis legend. So absolutely no, no disrespect. It just wasn't his personality and it wasn't our assistant coach's personality to, mm. to go out of their way. And it was different times as well. So, so that was the other part. And then, and then the third part, when you said, you know, I worked under coach Michael center at, at university of Texas for two years. And, and that's where I learned that, that there's a difference between having a good team and having a good program. Mm. And I think, you know, I think when you have a good program, it, it goes beyond the tennis court. It, you're in, in the, I mean, even your relationship with administration is different. The relationship with the community is completely different. Mm -hmm. The relationship with the, with the alumni and the tennis players, it's just that you have a different perspective that you're not only hoping to have a good team that year, but you're constantly adding and building a program. So, so if I were to live, I mean, live, I am alive. If I were to leave, sorry, Mexican accent there. If I were to leave, if I were to leave, I would hope that some of these things are in place to regardless of who came in, they would already see that this is not just a tennis team, that there's a tennis program. So I learned that from Michael Center. Mm -hmm. That's probably the, the, the straight out answer to your question as to how did I understand that from day one. And I, I learned that from him and I'm, I'm very grateful that I got to work under him for, for two years. And that was one of the main things I, I learned from him. I, I, I view the team, uh, in our program differently. Um, so, yeah, no, that's great. I love the way you put that, you know, understanding the difference between having a great team and, and a great program. And, uh, I think a, a lot of coaches don't, don't necessarily recognize that. I think I, I struggle with that as a coach as well, and maybe focus too much on, on, uh, the development side of it and not enough on, on developing the, uh, the program as a whole, but, um, going back to the marketing piece. So wh why do you think other coaches should care about marketing their, their tennis matches or, or making that a priority? Why, how, how do you think that helps your program or, or your team or, um, you know, any, any aspect of what you're trying to do or your university, wh why should they care about it? Yeah, well, 
you know, there's a few things that come in my mind and I don't know what the order should be. One of them is, is just pure, purely survival, just survival. Um, uh, we are in a chain athletics, college athletics are changing more than ever right now. There are some things coming out the pipeline and, and I believe I am, I would like to think, and, and I do firmly believe that the more relevant you are in your community, the more relevant you are in just as a national program, the more relevant you are with your administration and more involved in doing more than just winning tennis matches, the harder it would be for the AD at some point to make that dreadful, terrible decision of, of cutting the, the, the tennis program, which we've seen, you know, at other, at other schools in the big, in the big, uh, in the big 12, mm-hmm. we have 10 co- colleges, you know, this four of them don't have a men's program. So right. we're and you know, it's, it's just a very competitive out there and it's, it's a, a way of, to survive. It's a way to, separate ourselves from, from maybe other programs, you know, and I, I, I would tell the joke about the two buddies that go camping and he said, Hey, just bring the essentials. And the guy brings the essentials, you know, dry fruit, very light and a pair of running shoes. So what do you, why do you bring the running shoes? Say, well, you know, what if we, if we encounter a bear, I want to be able to run fast. Like, oh, you idiot. You can't outrun the bear. I'm like, no, but I can outrun you. So, <laughs> And that's, that's, that's how I, I sort of look at it. Right. You know, we may not, we're not going to be football. We're not going to be, out, we're not going to outrun the bear, but we might be able to outrun other programs mm-hmm. that are, you know, next to us and let them be the, the, the one. So, it, I mean, it sounds terrible, but it is part of it is survival mm-hmm. Two, I think it's just more fun. Um, and, and number three, to me, you know, someday we're, we're there, Dave, we're there, we're, you know, marriage and kids and, and you're working and, mm-hmm. and life, life, it's life, it's, it gets tougher. It gets more complicated and, and responsibility goes up. And one of my personal goals, it, maybe my biggest motivator is that alumni comes back. He's 45 years old. He's got his eight year old daughter and 12 year old son. And they're walking around campus and he's saying, that was the best song of my life. That was the best mm-hmm. experience I ever had. And that, that, and that includes people. It's not fun not to play in front of a crowd. It's more sure. fun to play in front of a crowd and feel that, that you matter, that you're important. Even in, you know, it, it may not be 2000, but even if it's a hundred or 150, they, that for that, two hours or four hours, you, you felt like, oh yeah, I was, you know, I was a man. I was a stud. I had all these people watching me, you know, even mm-hmm. whatever. It doesn't matter if you're one, if you're six. So that's a huge motivator for me personally is that, that these guys can look back many, many years from now and think that this was the best, best experience I could have had, mm-hmm. which, which in- includes a lot of things. It includes, they felt like they got better. They felt like they, they were challenged. They felt that they were supported. They felt that they were, uh, that they learned not just about tennis, but about life. And then you prepare them for the grind for, for life. Life is tough. Mm-hmm. So all of it. And, and, and a, a piece of that is that they felt relevant in our community and that they had a fun playing in front of a lot of people. Okay. 
No, that's great, David. And and you alluded to earlier kind of the advantages that you have there in Fort Worth, but are there any kind of right out of the gate if a coach is taking over a program and they're trying to get more um, individuals to, to attend their matches, are there any marketing tips or anything that you did early on that you felt like kind of um, sped up that process or, or something simple that coaches can do quite quickly? Yeah, yeah, um, I do. I think the number one thing would be to to find out who those, um, what do we call them these, these days, social... Influencers? Uh, influencers, yeah, mm-hmm. social influencers. And we all have them in every... In every tennis community in every town mm. you, you you find out who those people are and you you share your vision and you share your your why and why you're doing this and and you sell this vision that you have mm-hmm. and normally i would i would say just about every time if they are those people if they are the big tennis they will do anything to to create more tennis and, 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 and fun and fun around tennis. So they will, they will jump in and say, you build this committee, this committee. Mm-hmm. So there's no, absolutely no way I could have done it without our committee. We have a committee. It's called keep it in the purple or course of purple. And we had our very, very first event. We played around the world and the, the champion, uh, you know, we had a hundred and some people play and, the champion, I asked her, well, what was your strategy? She said, just keep it in the purple. So that's, <laughs> that, that's how we created our keep it in the purple committee. Mm-hmm. And, and then within that committee, there's a leader, Sharon Keenan, and she's like a, like a mom to me. And, and she's amazing. So yeah, you, you, there's no way you can do this alone. So you, you, you just get those people around in the committee and, and get them, get them to buy in. And then you treat them. I had my, my team, you know, my guys, on the tennis team. And then another team was my committee and, and, and we would have meetings and, and we meet in the fall once or twice and we do an event in the fall and then we do an event in the spring and, and, and get ready for every match. And we planned out every theme or whatever for the match. So that was, that's number one. You're not going to be able to do it alone. And, and also, um, you know, not, not everybody, this is right up my alley. And, and I, my, my degree was marketing as well. So, so that's, you know, there's some, just my personality. That's how I'm thinking regardless of what I'm doing. Uh, if, if I would, I would encourage coaches, if that is not your, your strong suit that you, that you identify that person that is, mm-hmm. and it might be the the president of that committee. It might be the way you hire an assistant. You know, you're, you know, you know, when you're not a, you're not the whatever, whatever people person or, or, or sort of a, yeah. uh, 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 what do you call it? A, a, an extrovert, you're not an extrovert type person. So you hire, you hire the, the, the Matt, you know, Matt Hills of the world and, and, and get them to be that, that is the responsibility. So, um, you know, I work with Devin Bowen. This is, this is, if you, if I asked Devin Bowen, hey, go and get this done, it would, it would fail. And just like if he, if he asked me some things that he takes care of, I would fail. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important. That's really important is to know who you are, um, and match your strengths and build your program according to what, to what, you know, who you are and be true to who you are and not try to pretend 
to be somebody else. So that mm-hmm. that was right up my alley. Uh, there's a reason why Devin is here. He he has some strengths that I don't have, and that's why I did it. So, so there is, I, I think there is a lot of that. I, I think that's part of the, the building the program and 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 sort of being a leader and this the quarterback that you that you um, you know if you can't pass then. Mm-hmm. You probably not don't don't throw it very deep, you know. So run the ball. So right. uh, just just yeah. Great. Okay. And you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but um, you've been quoted as saying that uh, college tennis in general uh, is a little guilty of acting like a really bad walk-on, uh, and tennis coaches as well. Can can you elaborate a little bit on this, or am I misquoting you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I tend to say things without being uh, fully aware of what, how they could be interpreted. And, uh, uh, you know, before I say anything, it's, uh, I've had some just huge, huge walk-ons that we wouldn't be where we are today had we not had those walk-ons that, you know, mm-hmm. scholarship is, is irrelevant when it comes to game day and, and who you are as a person and as a leader. So I've had, I've had three or four on top of my, my mind. I have one right now that, that they're the leaders in some way. So, right. which is, which is even better to an analogy. So my, my comment to that was just business wise and, and, you know, who, what do we bring as a tennis, as a sport on campus? What do we bring to the, to the, to the table? What do we bring to the athletic departments? Why should they have men's tennis? I think it's very important that we take a very humble, very humble, very appreciative approach to how we act, uh, with administration and our, in our community. We, we're just thankful for every single person that comes to a match. And we're thankful for every penny that we get from administration because we don't, we don't bring money. Mm-hmm. So I, that, that was sort of my analogy that, 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 that we don't bring money as in scholarships, you know, we're the walk on. We don't, we, we're not necessarily playing in the lineup. We're, we're kind of part of the program, part of the athletic depra- department, but we're not, we're not the, 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 the stars. We're not the, the superstars. Uh, I like to believe that there are part about us that in the committee, I mean, sorry, in the community, in the Fort Worth community, we are, we are in the top three of the lineup to continue with that analogy. Um, but not, not money wise, not, not dollars. So, so how do we as coaches, knowing that coming from that place of gratitude and humbleness, the last thing we want to be is, is a guy that doesn't play, that's high maintenance, that, you know, selfish and doesn't appreciate that, you know, that he gets, he gets equipment and gets to practice with the, with the top players. So I think it's important for us to to understand we, we can't, we can't uh, act like we're big time. Uh, So, you know, and at the same time, you, you do things that, that elevate our status here on, on the athletic department. I think we've, We've succeeded in some ways. Uh, definitely having good results, it helps, but not. It doesn't have to be the results. You can be extremely uh, involved with the with the community. You can be extremely involved uh, academically, where you have great students, great ambassadors for the community. Mm-hmm. 
and also in, in philanthropically, you can, you know, we have these ambassadors, these soldiers. There's some advantages to tennis. You can finish a tennis match, and you know, you're a girl. You're you're you you played a, you know, you got a 3.8 GPA, and you're involved in in a couple philanthropic uh, activities off off the court, and and you come off the court, and and you're sitting there next to to kids, next to a uh, aspiring nine-year-old girl. That's that's huge. Not 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 every sport they, they can't do that. You can't come off the football field and sit with the fans, but we can. And and so so then, how do we take advantage of that proximity and that um, ability for the for the community to, to 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 use our ambassadors, unbelievable great role models, ninety nine percent of them. What what parents wouldn't want a nine year old to grow up as a healthy tennis player in college, get an education, and being part of this you know this kind of uh, experience. So I, I think so. Anyways, we do have a lot of strengths. Uh, we just got to know what they are and and be grateful for for whatever we get. Right, no, that's great. Great points there, David. Thank you. And then you stepped away from college tennis for a bit and you worked with USTA. Was there any lessons you learned while you were away from college tennis that when you came back to it, you felt um, really helped provide you maybe with some perspective or, or how you run your program or, or was it just kind of once you kind of came back to it, you, you slid right into how you were operating uh, in your in your first role as a college coach? Yeah, um, you know, my time during the USTA, I would say um, where I did the most growth was understanding being part of a sort of a corporation. You know, I don't think I knew what, what human resources were mm -hmm. until I worked with the USTA, you know, those type of things sort of learned to, to, to work for this big corporate uh, operation. I learned j just about, uh, I don't know, 90, 90%, 95% of what I know on the court and, and coaching and, and, and teaching and, and techniques and, and, and uh, different ways of, of, of getting the most out of a player. So a lot of it just as a tennis coach mm -hmm. uh, developmentally. And, and uh, I learned a lot of that, from from all the USCA coaches around me and, and Jose Guerras and Jay Berger and all that Maltes and Patrick McEnroe. I had great, great leaders. Uh uh so that that's where I did the most now during that time during that time uh Jay Berger uh had me attend what what you would call sort of like leadership leadership type um programs and, and, and seminars. I went to one, it's called, it's called Driven, Driven for Life. It's out of uh, California and, and Seattle. And uh, you go for a weekend and it's like a boot camp type thing. And it's all about leadership. That's where, so it was during the USDA time, I, I was sent there by Jay Berger or, or he said, Hey, you know, I think it's something you would really like. And it changed my life. It, 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 mm -hmm. it, it uh, helped me with all about truly being the best sort of person and leader that you can be and, and, and respecting the differences in communication and communicating with different, different players and, 
So all of that that we talked about earlier with, with you have this committee and then you have the administration and then you have the alumni and then you have your current tennis players and then you have your supporting staff, uh, you know, your trainers and, and your weight coaches and, and your nutritionists and your psychologists. That's another thing. So you have, you're sort of in the middle of all these different teams and how do you communicate with them? How do you get the most out of them? How do you get buy-in? How do you get them to buy into this vision and this why of our program? And and I, I believe that we did that very well from the beginning. And 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 it's all because of this program, this driven for life. So you know, I've had coaches call me and go, Hey, I'm kind of in a I'm stuck. You know, I'm stuck. I don't know. Can I ask you some questions? You know, how, what, how do you do with the team? How do you do with the community? How do you do with the attendance? And I said, look, before I answer all those questions, just go to Driven for Life. Just <laughs> go there for a weekend, and then we can talk because it's impossible to to explain it all. And and at the end of the day, you know this day. You 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 are who you are, right? You know your strengths and weaknesses, yeah. and you ran your program at Oklahoma according to who you are. And, 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 and again, you, you can't be somebody that you're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you better find out if you don't know who you are, truly, truly, really know who you are and your strengths and your weaknesses, then, then I would highly, highly recommend going to a program like, like Driven for Life uh, to, to find out. And then, and then you go from there. So Yeah. Anyway. No, I mean, I, I think that's one of my concerns. Um, for, for a lot of college coaches, I think as it, it becomes more and more competitive and you've got you've got players that are graduating from college and they're going straight into maybe being a volunteer and, or an assistant coach and they don't get that space between their, their experience as a, as a college player and coaching. And I felt like, um, you know, I spent some time coaching at all different levels and, and coaching you know, really young kids to, to old adults and then everything in between and, and all those experiences um, yes. help yes. filter me towards being a better college coach. And I think a lot of coaches aren't necessarily getting those exper- experiences and, and, and maybe getting a little too one-dimensional. I, I could be too big a generalization, but that that's one of my concerns. But what, what would maybe be one of your concerns for the next generation of college coaches and, and how do you hope, um, you know, what, what do you hope they get right moving forward? Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, that's a really, really good question. I, I think if you're, if you're a young college coach right now, you got to be very aware of, what's happening in the in the big picture of college athletics it's scary mm-hmm. you know it's scary what's going on i think it it our players they know more they know more our kids they know more that you better be very authentic and know what you're talking about and, and so i think you gotta like you say you 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 must educate yourself, not just on the tennis court, but just about people or, or about leadership or about, uh, you know, running, being the sort of the CEO of, of, of this pro of a program, because if, if, if you don't, your, your players, they, they come, they, there's so much knowledge out there. There's so much information right through their phones 
that they will, I think they will sort of eat your life or they will realize that you're just not prepared. So I think it takes more these days. It's more competitive. Coaches are more, um, they know this, you know, what I'm talking about is not, everybody knows this and the older coaches. So they're, everybody's preparing themselves better. So as a young coach, you better understand that. Um, you know, I, I would consider myself, I guess, young, young coach. I feel like I'm still just, just getting started and learning. And, uh, there are parts of the program that I, that I feel I need to, I need to learn. And the whole sort of the whole financial world of raising money and, and bringing, uh, sort of adding, adding to the overall, the overall uh, goal of the universities. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's very competitive out there. And, and I, I feel like that's where I can, I can get better. So that would be with the coaches. Just know, know the big picture, understand the big picture and prepare yourself. And, uh, you know, when, when you and I, Dave, when we, when we became college coaches, we were sort of like, I know we're not going to make any money. We're not going to, you know, we're going to just sort of scrape by. We'll, we'll teach some camps. We'll teach some tennis on the side and then we can make it, you know, and, uh, just we love it, and we love it's an unbelievable uh, lifestyle to be part of something like this. Uh, but these days, these days, the money's getting it's gotten it's gotten bigger, you know. And I, I think um, I, I think some coaches, if if they're getting in for the money, because some head coaches they see what some of the head coaches are making, mm-hmm. uh, that that would not be a good thing. So I think that's. You know, I don't think that's the right reason to get into this profession. And it takes a long, 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 long time to be one of those top ones with, that you consider, oh, they're making good money. Um, and, and I think that that, that could change mm. any day. So I would say if that's your motivation, uh, go in the finance world or go in the you know, oil business or construction or real estate because it's not going to be tenants for sure. Right. Okay. And, and what's maybe the best piece of advice that anyone's ever provided you that's influenced you as, as a coach or how you operate your program on a, on kind of a daily basis? Is there anything yeah. that really stands out to you? Yeah, I would say two. I would say coach center. Coach center was very influential and, and I'm very thankful for having been around them. And, and he, he built the program. I mean, you, see what he did at University of Texas and, and also at TCU. He was here for a couple of years and at Kansas before TCU. So he's always done very well. And I, I was, he was one of my best friends and I, I worked under him and I, I watched, I watched every day how he operated and he was very good at the everyday stuff. But now, now I can really, now I can really talk positively about him since I'm not competing against him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can say how great he is, but he just, he was so good at, at getting the most out of every player on a daily basis, understanding the big picture of, of college athletics and, and how tennis and, and how you build a program. And, and I know that University of Texas is it's going to be in great hands because it's a lot of those pieces are already in place. Uh, so I learned that from him. And then, um, and then from, from, you know, the, the leadership at Driven for Life, her name is Mary Belding and Eric McGrath. They, like I said, it changed my life. They, they 
helped me understand who I was and what my strengths are and then focus on what you're good at. And I think that uh, that was a huge step. We're even, you know, carries on on the tennis court. We're always so concerned in trying to get better at what we're not good at. Uh, but just take what you're good at and what you love to do and, and what, what, what you have a passion for and then become the best you can at those things and just keep working on those skills. Cause that's how, that's how you're going to build your own personal program or that's how you're going to build your own game is, yeah, you have a big forehand. How about you, you make it better? Not just big, but accurate and consistent and uh, different spins, whatever, you know, just get better. So those are the two, two advices that, that have really helped me. Very good. And is there one book you believe that every coach should read? Uh, I, I get that question. I'm a big, big fan of The Mindset by Carol Dweck. As a coach, it, it, when I read it, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is it. This is sort of the Bible. This, this helps me understand why so-and-so worked harder than so-and-so and, and how, you know, and, and it changed the way I communicate with, with my players and the way I communicate, especially if you're working with younger players, you can really, uh, without knowing you can really be damaging their, their future, kind of the way they go about, about doing their business based on how, what the words that you choose. And then as a parent, as a parent, I feel, I feel, uh, it's critical. I don't, regardless of sports, anything great school, it is, it's a must read. So I'm a big fan of that. And, um, you know, there's a book uh, by Jim Lair, the, the powerful, engagement that uh that helped me a lot i i i feel like i feel like i need to read it again i've read it a couple of times i need i need to go back and just uh mm-hmm. you know and do it again because we, we we're juggling a lot you remember that dave i mean you sure. we're juggling we're juggling so much and 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 that powerful engagement helped me Mm-hmm. sort of uh, be able to juggle everything a little bit better yeah well i wish they handed out the mindset book at, at every maternity ward in the in the world because <laughs> yeah. it's 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 such a good read especially for parents and, and obviously for coaches as well i just spent the the weekend watching uh u14 uh, soccer matches and and i wanted to hand out copies of that that mindset book to, to many <laughs> yeah. of the parents there but that's another story so um if you could maybe go back to your whether it's your first year as a head coach or an assistant coach and you know i guess you know your younger self uh, and you kind of look back and go oh my god i can't believe i i thought about this in that way or operated in this manner you know is there something that really stands out that uh, i don't want to say you wish you didn't do but you you do differently yeah i mean man i feel like you know my whole life and it's still that every year every year my new year's resolution is is be be nice to to referees to referees, <laughs> you know. Don't, just 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 be 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 better, you know. Be better with referees. So yeah, I have a lot of a lot of regrets and so competitive and and yeah, I wish I wish I wouldn't be be so so. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I don't know what the word is. I mean, I never, yeah, I was disrespectful in some way, but never, you know, never to a point where I got kicked out or anything like that. But yeah, but definitely, definitely be more understanding and maybe in a way to put myself in their shoes a little bit more often or, or understand that they didn't play tennis their whole life or they mm-hmm. might be a little older or they may, they may just be referees for a year, whatever. And, and don't be so, so tough on them. I feel like I'm a very high stand, you know, I hold them to very too high a stand and that's brought some regrets. Uh, and same with, same with, you know, playing with other coaches, um, yeah, it's just so competitive, you know, it's so competitive. It's 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 always a struggle for me as to how do I stand up for my players? How do I do absolutely everything I can do as a coach to win this match within the rules and not be taken advantage of and yet still be, you know, never cross that line. So that's 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 a sort of a ongoing process i i have the uh ability which is good and bad to to notice everything you know when you're five six mm-hmm. growing up in tennis you're five six and you're playing against guys that are six three and they're better athletes they're better strokes they have better tennis than you do and you got to figure out a way how do i beat this guy mm-hmm. yeah you get really good <laughs> and really creative and uh i notice everything and that's brought some some regrets and and you know maybe some relationships that are not as good Mm-hmm. today as they were 10 years ago just from that competitiveness so that's usually where my my mistakes happen and my regrets mm-hmm. somewhere along those lines somewhere along those lines okay. um so very good well david i i really appreciate you uh coming on and speaking with me i think this will be very valuable to to especially younger coaches you know i'm excited to hear from you that still with all the success that you've had that you're still trying to be better you're trying to learn um and 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 i also appreciate your commitment to college tennis and and wanting it to be better and the time that you've given the support on on various committees and board of directors and all the rest of it so um you are uh you know a great addition to the college tennis world and i hope you're doing this for another 45 years or so but thank you so much for coming on david and and uh, look forward to having you back on the show again in in uh, the months and years to come Thank you. Thank you, Devin. Congratulations to you. I think it's great for us that you're, you're with the ITA now. And um, if, if this podcast gets gets canceled after one <laughs> one session, then, I, then I'll just blame you for picking the wrong guy. <laughs> I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll go, oh, great. Maybe you'll just start over, you know, the second time around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll just re-record something. So, uh, well, no. Well, thanks so much, David. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening to the first episode of the ITA College Tennis Coaches Podcast. I hope you got something out of it. I definitely did. Thank you so much to David Roditti for coming on the show. And next up will be Greg Patton, the legendary Boise State coach. So you won't want to miss that. I hope to tune in in a couple of weeks and look forward to seeing you out on the road or speaking with you on the phone soon. Cheers. Bye.